Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Star vs. the Force of Evil, which we'll be once again getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. Sam Quattro. Hey. And Alex Bonilla. Hola. Today, Michelle, Sam, Alex, and I are concluding our Starvember recaps, uh, discussing the latest episodes of Star vs. the Force of Evil, the mid-season finale episodes that aired, uh, tonight, uh, November 16th on Disney XD and were put up on the Watch Disney app in the morning. We are discussing all three of Nightlife, Deep Dive, and Monster Bash. Uh, so an hour of new star episodes tonight. Uh, we've been covering this entire two week event at the Overly Animated Podcast. Find us, uh, there or search for Overly Animated Star on iTunes to subscribe to us there on YouTube and not miss any of our future star content. We'll be, uh, because star is going to be back again in December, uh, briefly, but, um, a lot to get into with this new hour of episodes. Definitely make sure you've seen Monster Bash, Deep Dive and Nightlife. Big spoiler warning right now for all three episodes. Stop listening if you have not. Um, but yeah, get, let's get into things. Uh, we, we have three, three, three separate episodes. There's a lot to get to, but Michelle, general overall impressions of the night of new episodes here. I thought these were fairly stronger than last week's. I still hold that there have been no bad, like legitimately bad episodes this season, but I enjoy these a lot. Especially, I think Nightlife is probably my favorite of the three, even though Monster Bash had twice as much time to really, like, get through everything. I just, I really enjoyed what Marco was doing and seeing Hecapoo again, so that was definitely the highlight for me. Okay, okay. Strong, strong says uh, Michelle. Sam, thoughts here? I thought they were hashtag okay. Uh, it really depends on like what you're looking for out of your episodes and what characters you enjoy. Mm. Personally, I don't really like Hecapoo that much. Oh. I don't like Ponyhead that much. Oh. So the oh, first, no! yeah, first two episodes okay. were kind of like, nah, whatever. Like you know, objectively they were fine, but you know, my personal tastes maybe not. Monster Bash, however, I really liked. I really think the whole plot and everything that happened was wonderful. You know, we got some new reveals. And it's great. Can't wait to see where we go from there. Okay. Yes. Excited for the plot developments of Monster Bash. Alex, thoughts on these three? Yeah, I'm in the. They were bet better than average for this bomb, which it, which is like at this stage, I, I'm willing to accept. Uh, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree that night nightlife was the best episode of this group. Um, Monster Bash was interesting because. The first half of the episode I really loved, and I think if that was its own episode, like that would have been uh, like a top uh, top three episode of the bomb. But it, it kind of got off for a, a bit, and we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, there there were parts I loved. Uh, Hecapoo was awesome in this. Jana was pretty good in this uh, group, and all in all, it's a, it, it's very fitting that the ending of this event is okay to above average. <laughs> Yeah, would be would be fitting. Okay, interesting. Uh, possible, I'm the highest out of all, out of us four uh, on these ones. I thought all of the all three of these episodes were very good, at least. Um, Monster Bash uh, is potentially disappointing given the you know the, the the stakes of it being the midseason finale supersized episode. But I still thought it ended up being a very good episode. There's like one element that really holds me back 
in that episode mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it. Yeah. But other than that, I thought it was very good. Nightlife, I mean, this is the sequel to my favorite star episode ever. And, uh, it, I think it delivered. It's like clearly not as good as the original, but it, it's still really great. And the, uh, Marco Pooh was incredible <laughs> in this episode. And then. You all have misidentified the brilliance of Deep Dive, which is the best episode of the event. Uh, Deep Dive is incredible. I think it's a top tier star episode. I, it, it's what I've been looking for from this event. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's th- this show at its best. It's, uh, it's e- equivalent to a lot of these brilliant episodes we we're getting earlier. And, um, I just, I really, really, really like Deep Dive. So, uh, you're going to need to explain that to us because I, will, yeah. I have a major bone to pick with the ending of that episode. Okay. Same. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. We'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think all three are very good. At least, and I would I would say um, these three are three of the four best episodes of the bomb, along with uh, Lava Lake Beach. So I think it ended very strong, um, and uh, you know it doesn't you know it doesn't necessarily make up for some of the uh, the weaker stuff that we've been getting previously. But uh, you know, very very strong end here. Very mu- very much fan of all of these. Uh, but we're gonna go uh, through these episodes in reverse order. I'm most eager to talk about Deep Dive, but let's start with Monster Bash because. Uh, <laughs> Because Monster Bash, I think, had, uh, the, you know, definitely had the biggest plot development. Well, you could argue Deep Dive had bigger plot developments, but some very exciting plot things happening in Monster Bash. And, uh, I think we need to start off, of course, with, uh, Miss Heinous, uh, the constant, uh, subject of our complaints on this podcast as a villain is a very plot relevant character. She's, uh, Meteora, uh, the daughter of Eclipsa. What the heck? <laughs> this I feel so blindsided by this. I, I mean, I it. know in one episode when she was sucking the life force out of one of the princesses, we saw her cheeks glowing, and I was a little like, "Huh, what's that about?" But this just feels like what? I think this is what kind of dragged the episode down for me because it was such a big reveal, and I felt like I didn't have enough time to really appreciate it. And now I'm just kind of, you know, <laughs> like what? What's the what's That's the sh- what's the shocking element of it for you, Michelle? Is it that it wasn't like uh, built up correctly, or is it just yes? Okay, yeah, or, or or is it that Miss Hainus is this the, uh, stupid character that's now very important? Like, which is that's. That's the thing, too. It's like, well, has this been planned for the beginning, or did they come up with this backstory in season three? Because honestly, I can't tell. It doesn't. I don't feel like we've really gotten to know Miss Heinous outside of her just like seeking revenge on Princess Marco and I don't know how to feel about it until we see her interact with Eclipsa maybe then I'll care more but it just feels really and I don't know it, it kind of stole the thunder from everything Star was doing in the episode that I really liked with the monsters getting along with the humans and like her trying so hard and then it like not working out like it just kind of took all this energy away from that to be like this big reveal that we didn't know was coming and I don't know how I feel about that but I'm a little miffed right now miffed okay mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hashtag myth. Sam, uh, what was your reaction to this uh, this revelation? I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> okay. I don't know, because I think it definitely sets a stage up for more of, like, what Eclipsa was imprisoned for, other than, you know, dark magic, whatever, but, like, why, you know, she wasn't really in favor, and that's, you know, uh, what do you call it? What's-her-face Meteor is, like, half-monster. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, it, I think it really sets up a lot of things with 
you know, the whole prejudice, pre- prejudices between humans and monsters and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then if we go back however many hundred years, we see, oh, it's possible they had, like, a union between a monster and a human and why are we like this now, whatever. So I like that from a plot standpoint. From, like, a character standpoint, I guess, like, maybe it's a little bit cardboard, like, you know, thin, whatever. But honestly, it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. I mean, I like I like barely like think about her at all, like Miss Heinous, other than like she likes metal and I like her little <laughs> Igor Igorish assistant guy. Yeah. So maybe this will add like more needed depth to her. Yeah, yeah, that hopefully, definitely. Um yeah, so Sam, Sam, hype about the big reveal and you and like like how it might play into future the these future plot lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alex, what, what was your reaction to this? My first reaction was uh, more similar to Michelle, just confusion. Like, wait, <laughs> why, why her? Why, why are we yeah. throwing this as your mid-season finale? And uh, plus the fact that I was very interested in the first half of the episode, and that's what we shifted to. So we kind of got mm. distracted from the point. And I was like, well, I wanted to watch that episode. I'm not really interested in this one. But uh, on, on rewatch, like thinking of it more as, as a show thing, I'm sort of interested to see where where heinous. I I hate saying Meteora. I'm just gonna yeah. call her Meteora. Meteora is a weird name. That's a isn't that a Lincoln Park album? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. it is. Yes, oh. good one. Good one. <laughs> Shout out to Breaking the Habit. Okay. Um, but uh, um, yeah. But as to heinous, like I went and looked back at her previous appearances, and it, it does seem that they've been laying sort of seeds mm-hmm. because in her first appearance at the end of Saint Olga's episode. She has to calm herself down and watch the princess propaganda video when her cheek marks appear uh, all of a sudden. And they have to disappear. She has to train herself to be princessly, supposedly, to get them to go away. Then at the end of the season two heinous episode, she takes off makeup that was hiding those cheek marks. So, like, they've always been hinting at the cheek marks being, like, like, she needed to hide them. So like in that and then now you're connecting it to Eclipsa who's disappeared for a long time and we also have the whole sucking youth sort of gag at the end of Princess Tardina that would explain why she's lived this long. <laughs> um yeah, oh, all yeah. In all, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like th- there's pieces that they've dropped but I think the issue is just that that Prince we've seen one heinous episode in season 1, one heinous episode in mm-hmm. season 2 and yeah. prior to this you had the one uh, Princess Tardina. So it's just a character you've seen so little, and now that it seems you're going to make her important, it, it is a bit of a, a bit of a jarring thing. But I, I do think there's potential in her character, and I'm not I'm not writing her off as someone entertaining just yet. Meteora, yeah, I think it's hey. a really good point, Alex, and maybe this will give us some good flashback episodes too. Because the thing is, it's not like she lost her memory, right? She knew, like, she recognized the room. She knew her real name, so. I want to know why she decided to become Miss Heinous because no, I, I, right think, now, I think they were going yeah. for a, they were going for a memory loss thing. She did, like really? Uh, yeah. I, I think it's more of a, of a repression thing because if yeah, you're taking she's like, into account yeah. the other episodes where she's hiding the cheek marks, there seems to be something where she does she never really wanted to to give, give that off. So I wonder if that's the way we're going, especially considering Eclipse's bad reputation in the kingdom. It would make sense, right? If you want to like stay around, yeah, look, it's that, it's possible she it's possible she repressed it and uh, like she she did it to herself many years ago. But she a hundred percent in this episode does not remember that she's Meteora before yeah, she, she sees the room. Once she sees the room, she's her memory is triggered. Her henchman asks her 
is that your name? She's like, no one's called me that in a yeah, very she, she long reme- time. Yeah, she remembers once she sees the room. She had not previously remembered. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very confident. In that. Okay, well, we'll see. No, I don't know. I, I think, think it's, I think it's very clear from the episode. She like, she's too stupid to in the previous episodes to like uh, have been hiding this. This isn't, uh, you know, she's just obsessed with Princess Marco. It's not like she was. Uh, if she remembered that she was an important monster, she would not have been uh, doing this. I think. Um, okay, personally, I love this reveal. I think that uh, I also don't think it's that shocking. I think we speculated about something similar to this this week or last yeah, week. And, even, and a long time ago, back when we had the Rastacore thing and she was treating it kind of a bit motherly, there, there was already talk there like, wait, does she have a connection to monsters? Mm-hmm. Like That was already a thing back in season two. Yeah, to echo Alex, the, the cheek mark thing has been built up from the very beginning with this character. I don't necessarily know if they had this specifically in mind, but they've always... Uh, but Miss Heinous has always been synonymous with uh, this cheek mystery, this club, this club's uh, symbol mystery, and um, we we've speculated that since, uh, as far as we know, all only Muman royalty have had these marks that uh, she is probably related to Star. Um, I think her being Eclipse's daughter is a surprise, although this was speculated on this week because of the similar like facial features. I think there's a post about that. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, I think it's a great reveal. Obviously this character is not worth like having this much plot relevance in, in this point in the episode. Like that's the problem is that she's a nothing character and she's like an actively bad character before. But the way you rectify that is you throw her, you like, you, you change her. <laughs> she's uh, someone else now and she's important to the main plot line. So I think I think the reveal is handled very well in the episode. I think it's exciting. I think that it's uh, a good a good step for this. Uh, one of the worst elements of the show were the Miss Heinous episodes, and now um, we're actively strengthening that and tying her into the main plot. Like it, it was all for a reason. I think if anything, these these few episodes. Uh, tell us especially uh monster bash it's that uh the, everything was for a reason the stupid pigeon episode had to lead up to the beginning of of uh of monster bash you know Every, everything kind of comes together and um i think it's a great reveal in the episode it's very exciting i'm very and but most importantly i love this move at the end of this season because we didn't immediately go to eclipsa here um, we slow, we're slow playing Eclipsa. This was my number one thing I wanted was to not just go to evil Eclipsa right away. We're, we're kind of building this Eclipsa thread, uh, and we're having these other elements of the show, specifically stars, monster, um, uh, progressivism, the, uh, social act- activism, monster activism, uh, and, uh, the, now this, uh, Miss Heinous being Eclipsa's daughter. I think that, uh, these are going to tie in very interestingly together in the second half of the season. And I just, I love that the show didn't, in, in a season so far of moving way too fast, this was the best example of the show not moving too fast is, uh, Eclipsa. Didn't bring Eclipse out in this episode. No appearances. Have a reveal related to her that enhances her storyline. Um, but we're not, uh, immediately going to that well. So I'm, I'm much more bullish on the second half of, of season three now that, uh, after this reveal, I think it was a really, a really good move. What do you think of that, Alex? Yeah, pr- pretty much that, that uh, you're giving Eclipse a time to breathe. Uh, I was just thinking, like, is it a weird comparison to say that Eclipse is kind of like Toffee and that she's the main villain and we believe her to have more complex motivations? But we were missing a Ludo, like a, a minor villain that, you know, you can look to and could Heinous fill that role? I don't I don't know. Well, don't don't, imme- like, don't immediately write Meteora off as a, to- as a Ludo. Come on, we, we got <laughs> well, to give her a context- chance. For context, I like Ludo, so the, okay. for me, it's not an insult. For you, it is. Right, it's but, not uh, for me either. Yeah, like but Ludo. yeah, like you, you kind of need someone else besides Eclipse for like to have conflict, and th- this is a way to do it, especially given that they're trying to give her humor a little bit more humor in this episode with like the metal gag, for the for example. 
So, like, if, if you want to do that, like, I, I'd be okay with that, adding her to the stable of villains. I think she's just a different character now. And, uh, you know, like, uh, she's still going to be voiced by the incredible Jessica Walter, and maybe she still is the henchman, and, you know, but I, I think she's just going to be a different person. She has her memories back, and something we've uh, not talked about enough, so I want to get into this now, is that she's half monster. She has the scale arm. And I think it's really in play that, and also Mina Loveberry calls her the most dangerous monster in the history of Muni. Um, mm. So I think that it's very much in play that she shifts forms and there's some monsters in murals in the background of this episode. Um, my, my constant, my question when rewatching is like, which, which is, which is Meteora? Like she's probably one of these, right? Um, she could be just a giant monster and like turn back in the Missanus and like turn. I, th- I think that's in play. I think that could be really cool. Um, yeah, Michelle, what do you, what, what's your thoughts on the prospects of half monster, uh, Meteora here? Well, I mean, <laughs> she's basically the Steven of the show now. <laughs> she's like the one who's both who might end up helping to reconcile, you know, the humans and the monsters more than Star even could. If she decides to not be evil, that still has to happen first. But yeah, I do. I agree. I think there's a lot of potential with her. And I like the idea of her being able to change form and that like that monster arms, like a constant reminder that there's still this other half of her that exists and she can never fully suppress. So I think she has a lot of potential. I'm really, I'm excited air quotes because I don't know like how they're going to flesh her out. Once they do, I'll be way more, you know, there'll be so much more to get into. But at this point, yeah, there's been like, three other episodes leading up to this involving her and all of them haven't given us much to go on outside of the cheek thing. So there's a lot, there's a lot of ways this could go. I just, we haven't seen any of that yet. This is the first real big step. We're giving her any kind of legitimate characterization. So Hmm. I'm excited and, and just trying to keep my hope low for now but i am excited low expectations okay (laughs) yeah and should be noted she also has uh, other monster characteristics in the final shot of the episode she kind of looks a little bird looking in her face she's got like red eyes yeah it seems like she's mutating like that's my read on it i don't know if we're just emphasizing it now but um i don't know i think she's changing form sam what would what would you like to see from meteora going forward uh, I don't want to promote her to like main villain villain status. Didn't we just say that like um the podcast on what Tuesday that like she's like the only uh villain that we have now? Yeah, the, but Eclipse isn't yeah. evil yet, so the show didn't really have a villain. But, this this not a cl- yeah. Anyway, um, I am excited about this new discovery. I think it'll be great. I don't know. It's just like. Monsters, man. We got we got to like make the peace. We got to make them. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're tr- we're, we're treading really like eh, waters here. Yeah, that's accurate. With the with the, with the uh, symbolism, um, yes. Some pretty blat- blatant like uh, racism comparisons at the at the end of this episode with the police yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. 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 That was. I mean, this whole the all, the, mo- the monster rights thing has been that for a while, but this was. Uh, they definitely went further with. The, They're the, very overt, very like yeah. clear comparisons between predominantly like black teenagers or like Hispanic teenagers and the police. Yeah, definitely. In comparison, to, like you know how white people are treated. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good that it was so blatant at the end. I think like if you if you're just gonna if you're trying to do this uh, this metaphor, just go for it. Like this is. Uh, 
you know, they, they've been a little soft, I think, on the on the Monster 8 stuff previous to now. So I'd like I'd, I'd like to see more of this. I don't know. Uh, it'd be it, like the star hasn't done anything like this before, so it's hard to it's hard to really know how it'd go. But I, I think it's promising. Um, but yeah, and and the last thing about Midor is I think she's a symbol of what Star is pushing for. She is exactly. Yeah, she is half monster, half human, like Michelle was talking about. So I think that's really promising. Like, um, well, she's also a- there's also the issue if if she turns out bad, that this ends up hurting Star's cause greatly if she starts going on a rampage or something of that right. nature. That'll probably happen initially because she'll lose control of herself or something. Certainly, Mina. Bad. She's been if she if she does have this other side there, she's been pretty good suppressing him most of the time. So I don't think she's just gonna lose control. Right again, though, yeah. From my she perspective, is. she was not aware of this uh, up until this point. So I do think that now that her memories have flooded back, she's in danger of kind of losing losing control. Um, but it, we don't know how it works. Uh, you know, I, certainly Mina's hunting her. So uh, like, and yeah. Mina's uh, is supposed to be hero. So that's not a good sign for how uh, like Moon might treat this. Uh, like Moon's probably going to be anti Meteora, um, and uh, Star might stick up for her, and that might that might be this uh, this conflict going into the second half of the season. I'm very excited for that type of thing. Um, okay, but let's talk. Let's talk uh, Mina. I think <laughs> Mina Loveberry. Oh, wow. <sighs> that was awful. That was just painful to watch. Yeah, it was hard. What was painful, Michelle? She was just so just she was trying to destroy her and she like you were saying she called her like the worst monster that ever existed basically and and stars bringing up these points well she's like part of our family she's like she's a butterfly too and like Mina just does not care she doesn't see her as anything but a monster and it's just really harsh yeah harsh definitely my issue is this, is that the only thing we've seen of present-day Mina Loveberry is her having lost her mind at yes, this point. Yes, cray. So I, I can't, I don't take anything what she says seriously. Like, for all I know, the, the like most dangerous monster in history doesn't mean anything. And so in the end, this is just a crazy extremist uh, to take, doing vigilante justice and uh, uh, and also, like at the end, she like gets very ripped and giant. Like that just came out of nowhere because, as far as I understand, she wasn't a magic user. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, I'm wrong on that. I think we'd seen. But just I think the, we'd the, maybe seen her in that form before, like in flashbacks or something. I don't know. Maybe, but just the the entire thing felt off. And it, it just no, it, Mina was a bad addition to this this episode. Sam, what what do you think of Mina before, and how do you think she was used here? What even episode was she in? She's in the I mean, episode with like the dog lady, right? Like, where I, yeah. yeah, that that was kind of like a throwaway episode. And I never really expected to ever see her again, but here we are. Uh, and and then you have her in the flashback of Moon yeah. and Daunted, where she's making that's people sign the treaty. Actually, pretty competent. Yeah, yeah. In the flashback before she gets crazy. I I was not a fan, even though. What's her face? Amy was here Amy, voicing her. Amy Sedaris, yeah. Yeah. Like her, don't like Mina, but anyway. Uh yeah, it was just overkill. It was like a nice surprise to see who was down in the basement, but like got got a little bit too intense there. Mm-hmm. And then she just flew away with her hair, so like <laughs> that was really like I thought it was funny, but I was just like still kind of like dazed at everything that had just happened. Yeah, but... My reaction is, oh man, we have to see her again. <laughs> She's not dying. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I think I think the weird thing is that Mina is supposed to be credible 
in this episode. I believe her when she says, I believe her in this episode when she says the most dangerous monster. She's like, she's a legendary hero. She's the most notoriously anti-monster figure in the star world. And uh, she's like this monster hunter. At least that's my impression because she hasn't really been on the show. Um, So I think it shows she's here to like, uh, she's in charge of preventing the, the, the most dangerous monster ever from getting out. I think we are supposed to believe her. Like, I don't think we're supposed to just say, oh, crazy Mina. Like, I think she's just, she's kind of villainous in the episode because Star opposes her, but I don't think we're supposed to take what she's saying as, uh, you know, as lies. Um, so the, Mina's the element that I was referring to in the beginning that really kills this episode. Like, I think this is a really good episode. I love the twist. I love the first half, like Alex was saying, and I don't mind it transitioning into this, uh, this big twist and plot thing, but the problem is Mina. Mina is, um, a really terrible element here. She's just not interesting at all. And the, the worst part is that she's no build up into this episode um like nina's barely a character on the show we didn't know she was here we didn't we didn't see her in the present since uh the nonsense episode although i really liked her i actually really liked her in that episode i was a, I was a mina fan before this um but yeah this mina is just representative of all of the problems the show has had in this past two weeks moving too fast not building things up um for some reason star doesn't feel the need to build up a lot of its plot revelations i think we see a little bit of all of that as well in deep dive it just does crazy things and it doesn't build up to it (laughs) yeah that's the problem with that episode right i mean it's the same problem with toffee that episode it's the same problem uh with uh the the reveal the heinous reveal here although i think the heinous reveal is the best example of it because it didn't really need build up in my opinion um well and the thing is like if you if you look back you can see that there were seeds of this at the very least they gave her princess Tardina. what have you given mina anything right yeah at least they like (laughs) they clearly had foreshadowing with heinous even though it was like not great foreshadowing like i didn't care about it um yeah the mina stuff comes out of nowhere i don't know why she's an element of this episode like star writers please like include threads of your plots before the finales like i don't know we just keep doing this and it's it's it really hurts these these finale episodes i don't think the star finales are the strongest episodes of the show consistently and like once again here this mid-season finale uh yeah i think it's i, th- I think mean is like by the mina fight i mean it's cool it's well storyboarded um i'm i don't hate her being an anti-monster figure in the show especially because she's star's idol that's something that's not brought up here um that'd be an interesting element to bring into it star needs to oppose her idol she's fighting her idol here because she's on the wrong side of this uh monster activism Uh, that's that that's much more interesting to me and but she's just this uh this villain giant super saiyan form um didn't none of it worked for me in in here i will say the the only thing that worked about mina was like how strongly she was opposing everything star was trying to do for monsters because that kind of nailed in the fact that like this this party was not going to work out. This idea that sh- that Star could just like get these people together and have it be nice was very unrealistic, and it's not that easy. And even like before Mina got involved, just like once the people start going missing, the humans were like playing into like the the bigoted notions they already had about monsters and very casually saying very hurtful bigoted things to them, like to their face, and they didn't care. Like, well, it's in your nature, right? So. I think Mina was more just like the the final nail in the coffin to seal the like this is a this is a bigger problem than you thought. It's gonna take a lot more work to get this to like get off the ground in a significant way. And nothing ultimately changed at the end. After the police thing happened, starts so like, Well, you wanna come to the after party? And the monsters are like, No, I think no, I think we've had enough. We're just gonna go home. This kind of thing happens to us all the time, literally. 
And I think like that's the only thing about Mina that I thought was working for the episode that she she just represented so much of like old muni culture mindset and was just so unwilling to talk to Star about the fact that Meteora was like she was part of the family. Yeah. That's like the one the one credible thing I can say about like that angle for what it, it did in 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 reflection of like the rest of the episode as a whole. Even so, I just want to say, like, comparing Mina to the party, the party is like a uh, like a, a small handyman's tool that you use, and Mina was a giant hammer that you right, right, you right. Get the the huge nail. Like, it's just way too over the top. The party did a much better job at expressing that lesson, like in at least a more credible way than just going straight to the extremist. No, I will. I totally agree with that and i think the party could have hammered that point home just fine without mina being involved i do think mina brought the episode down that's like just literally that's the only thing about mina i can think of being somehow helpful to like the plot yeah so the, <laughs> because yeah. that's just in the way right the, the reason we bring mina in in this episode is because she's the anti-monster figure yes that's why yeah. that's why she's in the episode so i don't mind her in that role i think that's an interesting prospect prospect going forward like i said because uh, especially if if Star is opposing her and that creates some conflict in Star, um, like I, d- I'm just desperate to get any like inner Star plot stuff as we talked about last podcast. But um, this is uh, I don't I don't yeah it it just it's just unsuccessful as her the, as the anti monster figure because she's not credible because we know she's mm-hmm. like not sane and also because we just haven't seen her and we don't like trust her perspective like just because she hasn't been on the show. Um, it's like she's the wrong choice in this specific episode to represent the anti-monster sentiment. It just it doesn't work because we don't care about her, basically. Um, I'm open to being better going forward, but certainly in this episode it wasn't successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, uh, kind of on this. Uh, the subject is the uh, stars. Yeah. Stars. A uh, monster activism. Her equality efforts. Uh, kind of the setup of the episode. We've been building kind of towards this. This is like the one thing we've kind of been building towards two episodes these past two weeks that have that have been about this, which is um, star. It's all about these uh, the human and uh, monster. Uh, you know, uh, they're coming together. She wants to bring them together. She sets up this mixer, uh, with, uh, the, the Mumin royal youth. And then I guess the monster royal youth. I don't really know if they're royal, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's the, the other big, really successful element of this episode is Star working really hard to create this party. Star's conflict with Tom in that Star is, uh, is very about this and Tom doesn't care. And then Star's like speech, uh, I think is a really strong aspect of the episode. Um, and, uh, she says she's going to create a muni where anyone is welcome anywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I really love this plot line. I thought it was pretty well handled here. I could have seen, I could have used more of it, honestly. It was, it was kind of sprinkled throughout this. It was just a framing device and, um, it gets lost in plot revelations in Mina. Um, but, uh, I, st- I still enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that's my thing. Like if you made this an 11 minute episode where it's the party you skip all the Mina, the heinous stuff, and you make it just like it's the that ending conflict with the um, the people, the monsters, and the humans like, getting beginning to be tense. Start trying to break it down, and before she gets to fully do it, the police show up, break up the party, and you see the tension between the police and the and the monsters. Like all that, if you like uh, squish it into an eleven minute episode, I feel like that would have been very substantive and a very good episode on its mm. own. Yeah, I, I think the show honestly is much better at eleven minute episodes. I think they've struggled with these with these bigger ones before. Um and uh, you know, I'm 
it's it's you you can kind of take the first half of this on its own. It does it does transition like the second we we see Mina. So um, I, I do think the first half stands, and I'm still very very interested in the spot line, and I think it's a it's a good unlike the star wanting to be the best princess which which that she can be, which has not been handled well. I think that this aspect, which is related, is. Uh, is has been a great recurring uh, thread for Star's character, and I'm 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 love to see where it's going second half of the season. Uh, yeah, Michelle, uh, th- thoughts on this subject? Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do, I do kind of like the angle of Star. Like she's been trying to approach this thing through like talking to people her age about it, and like making it like a youth movement, like a generational shift which I think makes a lot of sense. And I imagine it would continue to maybe develop more. I I kind of want to bring, this is a little bit like, I don't know, but I, I want to bring Buff Frog back into this because like he's one of my favorite characters and he's like, I don't know, I feel like he's like the, the most gem monster we have right now. And I want to get him more involved Steve. if this if this is going to continue to be a big plot element of the show steven universe gem no you mean like good monster okay um yeah <laughs> oh my god sam what do you think of activist star i mean obviously you're not gonna solve racism with a teen party but <laughs> <laughs> it's a step yeah. in the right direction like hopefully if, like you persuade the kids they'll uh, persuade the parents but or at least you know the parents will die off and you know the kids will rule <laughs> But anyway, I, I think, yeah, I, I admire what Star is doing, and you're going to take baby steps. Hopefully this will make a better Muni. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. And, and I think that's the interesting part of this episode, that it's not actually solved in the end, right? Because yeah. you, you, you have the, the monsters going off like, well, this didn't really work. But at the same time, you get that they're not angry at Star, per se. They're just angry at the situation. And so, like, there's a door that's open there, even though the problem hasn't been solved. And that felt a little more realistic to me than just saying, okay, they got together. Hooray. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I like that ending a lot just because it helps give it a bit more, a bit more weight to this uh, plot line going forward. Yeah, I agree. It was it was really well handled, and uh, it's it's like this is a great way to end it. And I'm very bullish on all of the plot threads we end up with. Honestly, like this, the uh, the meteora stuff, even Mina, I think, has the chance to be much better going forward. So, like, despite you know, despite um, maybe the episode not coming together in the second half, I think that uh, there's a lot of promising plot threads. This one definitely included, and I think I think it was very good here. Um, I'll, I'll really I mentioned and kind of related to this. I, the biggest party stuff takeaway, like the slice of life stuff, uh, that I I got the most out of was the the Tom Star uh, 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 interactions. No, no, really. Yeah, go no. on. Not go on. Got the most on, not as in shipping them, but I think it was the most substantive stuff, and I think it was pretty interesting seeing Tom being like, uh, "Yeah, we're we're young, we're fun," and uh, Star uh, just being like, "Yeah, I don't care. I gotta I gotta plan this party. I'm I'm really into this." Um, and uh, there's this one sequence in particular with uh, like everything from like the punch and the ice until uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was really good yeah, until the until the end with. Uh, with the Marco and Tom talking, I think that's maybe the strongest part of the entire episode is, is all of this. And this is one of the best uses of Tom's character, honestly, because he's, he's like genuinely a jerk here, which is, which is what he's supposed to be, I think. Um, but yeah, we see, uh, 
we see Tom and uh, Tom and Star and Tom's, you know, like uh, trying to like be romantic with Star and and Star like kind of blows him off, but then she like uh, she like uh, blows it into his mouth and uh, and kisses him on the cheek a bunch. That was that was interesting. Um, I, I I like that because it, it felt I, I like when Star feels young, like uh, you know she's she's a kid, and and I and I like that uh, the, the Tom Star stuff maybe seems too serious sometimes, and uh, it, it's cool seeing. Uh, seeing how uh their their 14 year old romance interactions go um were you were you feeling at all michelle the tom star even with the scene this is the thing i think and you were saying like tom was being a jerk for not like understanding the star was like she had stuff to do but i think like you know past tom and star and they're dating they probably did just mess around a lot that's the kind of young star we were used to in season one and two so i think he just kind of it's taken him a while to get that she she's taking her responsibility as a princess more serious now. And this was like the first time he'd really seen her in action, actively trying to do something for, you know, the betterment of her people. And I, I honestly, I really like the line when like she's fighting off Mina and he comes down. He's like, hi, star. Um, I'm here to apologize. Uh, I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I thought that was really great. Because I think he honestly is trying. Like, we haven't seen him, like, explode a lot. Like, he's had many explosions, but they haven't hurt anyone. And it really seems like he's he's becoming a lot more chill. And I think the relationship's, like, pretty harmless. So, I don't ship it, but I don't not ship it. Because I... It seems like a legitimately fine relationship for the most part. Oh, that's that's too far. Um, I- no, it's not. Did <laughs> anything bad happen? I mean, she's busy. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll like say what Marco, Tom's doing. So like, I, I think Tom in the yeah. scene you're talking about with uh, Mina, it was being a jerk because he's like, I don't know what I'm sorry for, but I'm sorry. No, he's legitimately confused. He's not. <laughs> I being, know, but like, he shouldn't be confused. About he, he needs to understand what he's apologizing, but he does better at the end. That's the scene when he really shines is in the is in the end because he actually apologizes for for what's wrong like before he's like yeah. i guess i'm sorry whatever is bothering you um yeah if you if you say sorry and you don't know what you're sorry for it's like not genuine like oh i'm sorry that your feelings got hurt like okay yeah, whatever the only, the only time he's he's i think he comes across well is at the end of the episode but the thing he comes across worse isn't with this talk with marco um because uh yeah he says to marco uh, why don't we just uh i don't know why we're not enjoying being young for just a little young longer marco says uh, she's trying to fix centuries of bigotry and social biases that plague muni um i like using bigotry there good uh and we're I, like i said getting more explicit with it um and tom's like uh yeah i'm i'm just not into politics um which is like but you're a prince yeah that's like <laughs> the biggest uh jerk thing tom has said it's so relatable to uh uh, like current young males like uh tom tom is uh just awful with that line uh stars like i want equal rights <laughs> tom's like not into politics like that's a horrible response this is not politics this is uh equality and uh you know this is this is what we hear from a lot of people they're just uh they're no they're not into giving people basic rights and they, they treat it as politics it's not politics tom comes across as a huge jerk to me in the scene and it felt very relatable to like to 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 a lot of people you see you see in uh, in the current world, uh, Sam. Uh, what yes. what do you think of that? What do I think of what of uh, <laughs> Tom being a jerk with that line? Do you do, do you, uh, and overall in the episode too? I don't know, Tom. I'm over Tom. He just needs to go away. Why is he a character? I don't. I I think that you know Tom. 
is young and stupid, like all 14-year-olds yeah, are. Yeah, he's 14, so I think him saying, like, I don't know why you're mad, but, like, I'm sorry, kind of makes sense given he's 14, not, like, 18 or 20, you know? Not that you that's, learn- like, a super excuse, but... It's no, like, it's you not know, an yeah. excuse, but, like, I find it's, like, it's understandable and... Yeah, you given- learn yeah. as you get older and exactly. you grow and you, like, look back and you're like, oh, wow, I was really bad. <laughs> Yeah, and in in relation to the not being into politics line, I I think that goes hand in hand with him saying like, why why can't we be young? Like Tom feels, well, I'm not in the age to begin making those kind of changes, so why bother? Whereas Star is like, I can start making changes now. Like this is a hard time. So it's it's just it just highlights the very different priorities they have in life at this moment. And like, as for just in general, I've been pretty critical of Tom in this event, but I think this is the best Tom episode just because of how well-rounded he appears to be. But also, I think just for the Starco shippers out there, like, I, I think the show is pretty clearly this isn't going to last because just uh-huh. of how, how different their uh, their views on life currently are, it came very much into relief. Alex, in Alex reassuring the Starco shippers? What is this? Alex is a very logical person. It's one of the very anti Starco. That's what I would say. Starco, oh, yeah, speaking also, of Starco, is anti Starco. Kelly and Marco dancing. Hey, okay, what's up? With hold, on, Marco hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so hot to so many ladies okay, all of hold, a sudden. Hold on. What is Look, this? Come on, we're not finished with Tom first. Okay, but yeah, yeah, they're definitely clearly the thing they're going for with the politics line is the uh, is what Alex said. It's the the different perspectives on life. Yeah, I, I'm 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 reading it into uh, into a second level. But yeah, they're going for that. Uh, they have different priorities right now. The problem is, I don't get why these are stars' priorities. So like, I get I I buy the. Her, her standing up for monsters that's great but her acting more like a princess that um has not been great so like we don't really i don't know it's, it's almost like we don't take star's side right away just because we have trouble relating to it um but but yeah clearly it's not gonna last because uh you know they, they've been setting up for that and i i actually agree this is the best tom episode maybe of the entire show because oh, uh we Whatever the name of the the Tom Marco hangout episode is, my oh, favorite. that's true. I forgot about that one. Tom yeah, that that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's Tom. Uh, we fully see many sides to him being a jerk here, and then we see him somewhat sympathetic at the end. Um, and I look, I agree. He's fourteen. I'm not condemning Tom for life. He's just he is a jerk here. It doesn't mean he's not. He doesn't mean it's completely his fault. Um, he's just he's he's not great. He's not right for Star. <laughs> this is let's end this. Uh, it's uh, maybe Tom just needs to go to therapy and just talk some things he's out. been doing it he's had anger management counselor with him for most of the well, show we haven't like, seen him this other therapy season, yeah so what did he maybe do? he needs to go yeah. back yeah i think he needs to go back to anger management but i am surprised that we uh, we've been talking all week that uh tom star would be done by thursday today and uh no it's not so wrong yeah uh, it's not but it's it's on its way right there. this is basically yeah. you know this is planting seeds for the end they they're fine at the end but you see a lot of reasons that star could immediately break up with him. Like uh, just everything in this episode is, is reasons. Um, so yeah, I thought that for me, that was the, I don't know. That was like, I don't, I hate Tom, but that was the highlight of the, of the, the, the party stuff. But as Alex mentioned, Kelly, uh, uh, Ponyhead like brings out Kelly and she's there for five seconds and dances with uh, Marco for two seconds. It was yeah, a glorious did, yeah. five seconds. <laughs> Whoa. Do you ship them, Alex? I just want Kelly. Yes, to be the happy. answer is yes. Oh yeah, that's them, fair. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is it like the sword hand dance or whatever they call it? Oh, like, that was yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, that was a nice callback. I enjoyed that. Yeah, Michelle, let's talk about uh, Marco uh, with every every girl on the show. Marco's growing harem. Let's talk about he's, that. He's the Katara of the show. He's the he's the protagonist in a harem anime, and uh, we have Kelly here, star, uh, potentially like Hekapu, Jenna, Jackie. Freaking, oh god! <laughs> Again, not Jenna. Problem. Jenna, I think the last step. We'll we'll talk about that. When I we don't talk think about Jenna. Jenna's Jenna's into him and just does her own in her thing. own way. But being nice to boy does not mean no. You she have like a teases she teases him in like an elementary school way. That's what I'm talking about. But um, it's you know they, all. What do you think of uh, Marco's harem, <laughs> Michelle? Oh, I wish they just pick one and stop. <laughs> yeah, star. That's an issue. I don't yeah. know. I kind of wish it was just Hakapu because we probably won't see her that often, so it won't get on my nerves as much. But now it's like coming from so many directions. Mar- and it's Marco Poo Shipper fun. Michelle. Wow. I didn't see that coming. He doesn't need that. And like, what? why, why are friendships just so impossible to believe just because you're nice to someone? Who is the opposite gender in your straight? Uh, I, I, I agree with this. I, I agree with this. Every girl who's his friend to be like, oh, Marco, you're so nice. Blush. Like, no. Come on. Just be friends. Be supportive friends. Those usually last longer than relationships romantic anyway. So they're better. So make them look good on your show. Stop with the crushes. No more. No more crushes ever. Uh, I do think they did. They did a job of like. I don't think there was a blush on Kelly, so like uh, I think they left it to be interpreted as platonic, and I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. If you if you want to do it that way, Sam, you agree with Michelle? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. We need to stop with the shipping. Start with the friend shipping. Friend shipping. Yes. Yeah, my, okay, here's my counterpoint to this. Only Star and Jackie have been shown to be explicitly have romantic feelings for Marco. I don't think any of these other ones are. What about the fandom? There, the seeds uh, there for the fans. Yeah, don't know the, it. The, That's what we're discussing here right now. The Kelly now. stuff is, the Kelly there's stuff no, is just there's sweet. There's no way they're you know? doing it accidentally with Hekapu. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I mean, clearly we'll talk about that. They have tension, but that's like a gag. That's like you know, that's like an older Marco thing. Um, but it's you know, I don't think the Kelly stuff is. Uh, they they can't help themselves with the uh, with hinting at ships, but it's not it's not overly romantic. And I don't think we're gonna see Marco Kelly dating. Um, we kind of predicted this at uh, at the end of the beach episode. Kelly would probably barely be in in the rest of it. And uh, here she is for five seconds. Alex, do you agree they're not going to be dating in the second half of the season? Oh, no. <laughs> as much as I'd like to see it happen, just like for the one date episode and then Kelly breaks up with him. Uh, I, I, I guess Kelly's just going to stay being a side character, popping up maybe like one or two adventures and that'll be it. She's oh, in why is in- she in the intro? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's in the intro, so they got to stick her in a couple of episodes. But I don't expect her to like truly be a main character. Yeah, she'll be like around as much as Tom is around, probably. Or Jana. Like, yeah. how many times have you seen yeah. Jana this event? Like twice. Not that much. Yeah, like twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, the intro has been very deceptive. Um, last thing I want to talk about with this episode is the location. Um, we are at uh, Alex. What's this place technically called? The uh, monster. Uh, yeah, I think the Monster Temple monster is temple. what people there you have go. called yeah. it in the past. Yeah, Monster Temple. This is I, I did not even realize this on first viewing. This is where Ludo was hiding out in season two. Um, oh, you, oh yeah, I, okay. I didn't, yeah, cool. I didn't even know. They, they have a few wide shots, but I just didn't remember that that's what it looked like. And um, yeah, I think that it's... And we emphasize the location. At the end, she's uh, talking to... 
uh, Romulus and, uh, you know, Romulus is like, you don't even know what this place is. And Star, like, tries to get it out of him. And Romulus doesn't, you know, he, the snake stops him from from saying. Um, so, like, clearly, and there's another line earlier in the episode where, um, they're, they're, yeah, where uh, Marco and Star, like, go into, like, the dungeon or whatever. And they're like, what is this place? Like, they see all the scenery. Um, so, uh, clearly, this is ha- this location is important, given that this is where uh where meteora grew up potentially is their nursery i think this is being hinted at as being uh eclipsa and uh monster husband's kind of uh house monster husband yeah this brings up a good point who raised meteor was it her dad because it probably wasn't the royal family i mean i think eclipsa until she got frozen but do we know the timeline on when specifically eclipsa was encased in in ice or whatever i don't know if we no i don't really know her age at first i thought she was like slightly older than star now i have no idea yeah, it could be th- i thought she was like a couple hundred years old but then like why <laughs> yeah but eclipse, eclipse is know. like 500 years old or something yeah and uh she's she's just been uh, in suspended animation and uh apparently uh meteora has been rejuvenating herself by sucking the life force out of princesses that's how she's lived this long um but yeah i think that no she's a mortal dylan god i mean yeah they're all also monsters could live longer who knows um but uh yeah it's it's the yeah i think this is being hinted at as being the uh the place where eclipsa ran off to basically after she was uh chased out of the out of the butter uh, the butterfly family and stuff like that uh agree alex yeah eclipsa has to connect into this somehow i'd also be interested to see if this is the way how we tie toffee back into this like it still oh. feels weird that they just wrote him off so it'd be interesting to see if like perhaps this location had some effect like uh, some meaning to toffee and if that connects to any of our characters at this point like uh, i'm i would hope for that is my best case scenario it is worth noting that uh toffee brought ludo to this location specifically um in season two so it raises the question did toffee know this location's significance probably yes uh or you know who knows but uh, toffee's like not that old probably but um they're like the, his species is immortal or something right so uh mm-hmm. yeah so uh yeah toffee's pro- i think toffee's definitely off the show but we could get some references to why this was so prominent in season two anyway this is this is the show the episode clearly emphasized this location being important so i think it's going to come up again moving forward okay uh good with monster bash any final comments uh, uh, slime guy and Princess Spider Bite were really cute together. Yeah, that's the new ship. Yeah, you were shipping. You were shipping that, Sam. Uh he cured her spider bite. Yeah, so, uh, she's had that for forever. Yeah, aloe vera is a miracle. Be a princess yeah. Spider Bite with right. spider and she had it for forever, presumably yeah, her- since birth, because they all have it. Yeah. I'm wondering if the family's gonna freak out. Where'd your spider bite go? We were so proud of that. <laughs> And then she'll run I off with slime. It. It'll be nice. Yeah, that'd be oh, cool. Hello. Are we going to get that Every episode? Every time she gets sunburned, he can help her out immediately. <laughs> she doesn't have to buy any more gel or so. Wow. He's we right. might. What a perk of being with slime. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll be like, babe, I'll protect you from the sun. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Spread slime. Okay, this is very important. Yeah, well, it, yep. not not out of the question that we see them again because the show focuses on unimportant things sometimes. But um, okay, let's talk about deep dive. Um, my favorite episode by far of of the of the bomb, 
And this is a huge episode. I would, in terms of the star stuff, this is like the big, the big plot episode, the big conclusion to the portaling, to her trying to master her sleep portaling. Um, and we got a lot of interesting hinting and a lot of uh, potential interesting plot things. We also conclude the toffee stuff that we saw. We her going to butterfly form in that episode. So um, I guess the highlight is the realm of magic, probably um with uh which is where where it was like where star went to what did she go she go to purgatory she was this death was this between dimensions no it was the realm of magic that uh that uh, toffee corrupted or something and uh now here's my question like i don't even think this episode made it clear they were the same place like uh, i was getting confused by uh, that to- it's a uh, star says it's like toffee was never even here so that's the only connection but yeah that and like the golden liquid the golden were the liquid, only yeah. two things that helped you. Yeah, we're presenting yeah. this yeah, as being like, the same. It's possible there's like multiple things when they went into the, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I think this is definitely supposed to be the place they went to. It's the realm. What does the realm of magic mean? That's my question. Uh, <laughs> does anyone? It's the realm of magic. There's magic. The dimension the of the, where from. the magic comes from. Yeah. Yeah. The source. Okay. I'm in for that. Oh, the the source. The yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we see the full-grown version of the firstborn that Star made and the random unicorn Star made in that episode. That was a definitely another instance of the show not building up to anything that was happening. And that's why I love this so yeah. much. Rather than this being... Why do you love that? Because rather... No, here, I love it in this episode. Rather than this being random, this is paying off a, a previous plot stuff in really cool ways. It's not like we have definitive answers, but uh, this is this was pretty cathartic, I think, seeing all this after we saw it randomly presented previously by the show. Disagree. Disagree. Uh, well, uh, my my reaction to this episode is, what happened? Like, yeah! I, I felt like I felt like nothing here was actually explained. Like, it was very pretty to look at, but I I don't know. Okay, let me explain. Star let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what happened. I don't get why we're. I don't get why we're. I don't get why we're rewarding her for just going through her sleep into this dimension. Like, uh, okay, you can do it at at will, but what did you do? Okay, let me me explain to you. You're clearly missing parts of the episode. (laughs) This isn't going to be a satisfactory explanation, I can tell. But here's what happens. Star was being called by the uh the, the firstborn the song of the firstborn which is this unicorn cre- she created because you know that because uh, she okay. the uni- she want the unicorn wanted to teach her how to master the avatar state her, he her butterfly teach her. she just woke up and she knew how yes, to I do understa- it i understand this i understand so this. i don't think it matters because uh this is not something that we'd spent a lot of time being frustrated by the fact that she can't manually change it just was one episode i do think well, it matters because we've yeah, been uh, so many episodes with her sleeping and going through portals in the background it felt like it was leading up to something really important and then for her to just wake up and be able to do it without like learning to practice it by literally just going to the magic realm and seeing the unicorn for a hot second and almost being hypnotized and convinced to live there forever by the way like what's up with that she just wakes up and knows how to do it herself it doesn't feel okay. earned at all okay. it took uh, barely uh, any effort and also this is an extension of the issues that some of us had with Toffee, right? With that episode because it, it also went into this dimension of magic. It like did in like it stuff that looked interesting, but in the end you're like, "Wait, where was the setup for any of this? Like where where did all this spot? come from?" Okay. Yeah. I think just in general this is just continuing the show's the uh, difficulty with dealing with 
this side of the story, the whole like star mastering magic. It just it, it all happens, but you don't really understand in the end why it happens or what she did to earn this. Okay, let me explain. And I do agree that this this episode continues the show's uh, difficulty explaining things. Um, I would have liked more firm explanations, but. Um, we have this plotline where Star is apparently the most, uh, one of the most powerful magic users ever. And, uh, this has been something that we've constantly threaded throughout the show. Meanwhile, we also see her turn into butterfly form, which is paying off the Muberty arc. And uh, we see that she, uh, turns into some sort of her own special form. Um, I guess it's, I guess, uh, her mom says it's, it's similar to, to what she had. But, um, yeah, so she's called to the, uh, the realm of magic where she previously had been thrusted. Um, she just kind of went there by instinct, uh, to, to solve the, to solve Toffee. But, um, she's like probably the first one to actually enter, enter the actual realm of magic. So she literally, she's powerful enough because she's, she's, uh, has such potential. She is, uh, she goes there. She wants her, like her innate sense of, uh, of like her, her powerful magic, her innate sense of being like the, the, you know, the butterfly princess says, uh, that she wants to go there. Like the, like the unicorn said that, uh, you have to want to be called here. And, um, it's this, uh, yeah. So she goes to the source of magic and, uh, there she's like infused with magic and her, ha- her powers help to be realized, um, just by being at, uh, you know, at, at this magic place. Um, you know, it's just by being at this. Yeah, that's, that, that that that's seem I think the, like enough. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the, the look. look obviously, look, obviously right? it would have been great to see something trigger inside her. I don't think it was supposed to be a training sequence, though. Like, I think that this was supposed to be something that kind of just happened by her being there. It would have been nice to see why this just happened and she can now master the butterfly form. But yeah, we didn't even see that change take place. Like, that's it's just like she was there she came out oh i can do it now like we didn't see anything it was just like oh i guess it happened at some point when she was in there ta-da it just didn't feel like enough yeah and i think that's look it's a valid outlook on it i think this is one of the things that needed the least needed the least explanation uh just because i don't think it was presented as being a major problem that she automatically changes i think we saw muberty we saw the beginnings uh, of, of this form. We saw her, it happen in a time of crisis and Toffee. We see an episode earlier where she's unable to control it and she's having problems and now it's solved. You know, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that's, that was a major part of the show. And uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to spend a long time seeing Star Master Butterfly form. I'm just excited to see now that she has. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know though. I feel like other, if this is like a part of us exploring star honing in on her magic potential, which as we've said before, the show keeps reminding us like, Oh, like star is like going to be one of the most powerful, like princesses slash Queens we've ever seen. I feel like other episodes have been handling this better. Like seeing, seeing star, like make the tree come out of the book when she has to move the Mm, apple or writing her own spells Mm. in her own spell book or like Fighting with Glossopic, Glossopic about how to like dip deep down into herself to like find more potential and more strength. Those things were built up and took time and did feel like genuine payoffs. But for this to just like happen without any kind of like build up outside of the mystery of where is Star going in her sleep in these portals, it felt like kind of like stepping backwards from all that. I do think it's important that she like have a reason for figuring it out like she she just knows how to do it i mean and still 
I still don't understand what those unicorns were like up to when the unicorn kept wanting her to stay. How is it good for her to stay in the realm of magic forever and ever? How's that a good idea? It wasn't a good. It, it wasn't just, a good it, idea. She was it just. Weird. It was just. It's so just like the pure. It's like the purest place. It's the. There's all the magic. There is. I don't know. That that seemed like a standard fantasy trope of being lured in by the the source of power or whatever. Yeah, I, I, that part I didn't mind too much, just because like it's a we it's a weird dimension. And it's like oh we we never have visitors yeah. here. You know? I, I like I like the the <laughs> visual representation in her eyes with that um here's what i would say i definitely agree michelle the cases that you listed were some of the best like scenes in the entire show and those were better uses of uh examples of because they're related to star as a character and here um it, 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 yeah, it's just kind of fantasy burning. stuff happening here's what i'd say star mastering the butterfly form doesn't really mean anything in the context of the show all it means is that she can turn into this cool butterfly i don't think it means she's better she's significantly better at magic i think she still has to learn uh the magic she's still straight the spell book we still have to deal with the influence of dark magic i just think that we're concluding this very small aspect of muberty and tatafi into into the sense of a hoodie or whatever and the previous stuff i don't remember what episode but yeah um it's you know i think it's i think it's an isolated instance and um i i definitely agree it wasn't you know it wasn't super explained or anything this is my favorite example of the show not explaining things if <laughs> that's not a ringing okay. endorsement but um and you're right, right so none of this is the reason i loved it the reason i loved it is because it's just so visually stunning and um it's certainly a pretty episode to yeah, watch it is, i'll give it, it that love star yeah. butterfly form absolutely love her in the dimension interacting with the the, un- the tiny unicorns and uh then the bigger unicorn i i loved all of that and that's not even the entire episode that's just one element of the episode <laughs> so i you know, I, I I enjoyed all this, um, and I think that uh, the other very appealing part is Marco and how he reacts to the situation and the ensuing Starco. <laughs> this is this is the real thing to talk about here. Come on, uh, yeah. Anyway, Sam, any comments on on Butterfly Star stuff? Honestly, the whole thing just feels like a fever dream because I just don't recall anything about Butterfly Star other than these episodes. Yeah, there's not really much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't under stand i don't know i guess it's setting up maybe for something bigger in the future like this is something akin to like what avatar was doing except on a lesser scale like uh with was this face jong jong with like the leaf thing and like the fire bending but anyway yeah i'm I'm not really a big fan of it i kind of just tuned out both of these episodes it was just weird not my thing okay here's the thing if it's literally just her being able to turn into a butterfly but not have the same awesome powers i'll give it a little more leeway but like we saw the beginning of season three being like in the full mode of that state of being she like destroyed toffee so we know it has a lot of magic potential and if she isn't quite there yet i will be a lot more satisfied with her getting to the stage of like maybe like half full mode butterfly yeah. at the end of the episode. Yeah, I don't think she can. Ju- I don't think she can mode. just butterfly and solve all her problems. You know, that was just autopilot taking over. I don't think she's the autopilot. I think she just has the the, the form and maybe a special bit. May- she's like the wings and the yeah, arms. Yeah, I think she maybe. can probably That's she can it. probably still portal on her own. I think that probably transferred, but that might be it. When she was a baby, do you think she was a caterpillar? That'd be really cute. <laughs> yes, obviously. With the yeah, little baby face um, and yeah that'd be where, where's that fan art at just star as a caterpillar <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway I, to wrap this up i think i think this is a rare example of this is just to me this is like an abstract uh plot and i think that it's the it, it's one thing the show doesn't super need to explain a lot it's, it's just kind of supposed to be visually represented so yeah. i you're well 
abstract reminds me but it's kind of adventure timey in a way yeah. in that it just like does oh, a thing yeah. it, it makes it look very yeah. pretty it might not have plot relevance in the end but you're like okay, yeah this, so this is like a good so abstract adventure see. time episode yeah basically that's how i feel about this yeah and i guess it's just in contrast with the tone of the show that's probably why it's a bit um uh, it's a bit off for for some of us watching it <laughs> I'm catching what you're saying there, Alex. I like yeah. that. Thank you for saying that. That makes me feel better about my <laughs> lack of interest in this. Because if it yeah. was Adventure Time, I'd probably like it. Yeah, well, not everything would be Adventure Time. But um, yeah, like I said, the other Obviously. the other big uh, aspect of, of this episode is uh, the is Marco and this Cheeks thing and the, the ensuing Starco. So it's not just the, the gorgeousness of Star mastering Butterfly Farm. I love this as a character moment for Star. I love it visually. Um, we see this this big uh, this big moment when Marco take take star's wand um it uh it's uh adapts to, to marco like it apparently has it's it's been a long time but uh anyone can anyone can take star's wand yeah, yeah i didn't know that yeah. that the wand could change i thought they had to be relatively powerful yeah. or magically inclined yeah, but no. the, that's cool uh yeah it, yeah th- those of us who remember season one will remember no. that lobster guy who grabbed the that's wand true but i thought because <laughs> he was like a monster maybe like the yeah. rules were different and, yeah no but, answer anyone yeah. can take the wand the show isn't yeah the show didn't do a good job with that because we don't remember that but yeah um it's and then it forms the star and then yeah star casts the all-seeing eye and uh moons on his uh cheeks light up and it's a very striking visual and has led to a lot of speculation what was your reaction michelle he's still human i'm not gonna get that excited about it <laughs> i think it's fine i don't think he's like suddenly well, what do you think what do you think powers. was happening in the episode <sighs> I mean, it's possible that, like, him chanting a spell and holding onto the wand, like, some, like, the magic was, like, kind of going through through him at the same time. But I don't think he, like, you know, any of it leaked out on him forever. I think he's still 100% human. But it looked cool. I don't know if anything's going to happen with that in the future. But it did look nice. Good cheeks, Marco. A plus, moon cheeks. I'm just concerned that everybody's cheeks are just turning into Lucky Charms marshmallows. Like, yeah. for real, not though. cool anymore. Everyone can do it now. Yeah, um, Alex, what was your reaction at the time, and what do you think is going on now? Uh, my reaction at the time was okay. Like, it, it didn't, it didn't have an, an emotional effect on me. I was like, oh, well, well his hair looks kind of weird. But, like the cheek marks, I, I couldn't care less about it. But uh, 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 like thinking about it, like that there's the line before that happens that he says something like it's like our souls are bonded, and like I guess you could take that as a reference to the blood moon ball thing. But uh, it could be a situation where it's just that they're so close that he inherits some magic ability from Star or something. Ooh, of that magic nature. osmosis. Okay. Yeah, so like I-, I could see that happening. Uh, I could see, um, but also we have just these dropped things of like Marco having a monster arm. We have uh, Marco having read that dark chapter and being corrupted. Uh, you have you have like those dropped pieces in past Marco episodes that could come back into play where he's maybe he has a dark side and it comes off in this wand. It kind of looks like a dragon sort of thing. So I could see that happening too, where it's like Marco has some dark stuff he needs to get out of him. Mm. uh, The show hasn't manifested any of that so far, and it's already mm. season three, though, so I'm a little skeptical 
Right. There's just like bits and pieces I can glom onto, but otherwise it, it it's another one of these things that feels out of nowhere. I'm, I'm just like, well, how am I supposed to react to this? Okay, none <laughs> so of you are taking the bait on the popular fan theory, so let's lay it out there. What's the popular? Yeah. He's her other half. Oh, no, that's that's no, that's, my, related, that's my theory. That related, that's my theory. But that, no, no, no. Okay, so yeah, so who, who of royals, only human royalty, gets marks on their cheeks. Star Marco gets these uh, these moons. Therefore, Marco is a butterfly. Secret butterfly. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's just... Wow. Well, I know, Michelle. It's not... No. No. Uh, okay. Keep that in the fan fiction department. Isn't... Is, wait, no, but honestly, isn't this the most logical conclusion to come to? No! Okay, no. so I, I'll, I'll bite that. I'll say yes, given from what we've seen. Of cheeks? That's all. The we've only seen, people Sam. with cheek marks we've seen are butterflies. Marco has cheek marks. Marco is a butterfly. It's very simple. ABC. He's also holding well, her wand, just... which has been passed down through the family and probably has its own inherent magical properties. Doesn't mean he has powers. I don't think it's about the powers. I, I, I think it's about him being a butterfly. Like, he, is he secretly half butterfly? Like, uh, oh, genetic. Okay, so I, I, okay, at first I did think it was, like, all the wand, like, blah, blah, blah. But now D- Dylan is saying something interesting. <laughs> okay. For once, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I'll think, I'll keep that in mind. Definitely. Okay. I'm just, it just, like, makes me feel concerned. Here's the uh, thing I, that they can't date because they're related. Yeah, that, that's why that? it makes me concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, new new Starco then. Point out yeah. here, that's chuckle. Yeah, another thing to point out here is that this is very close to the heinous episode where we also have the whole yes, cheek marks yes. thing being important, and like her cheek marks light light up at the end where she's like remembering who she is that she's a royalty, and I think also in Princess Terdina, her cheek marks lit up when she like uh, got infused with the energy to keep her alive. So like, I'm still not even sure what the lighting up of the cheek marks means in the context of this show. But it's it, at least to me, the, the vibe it's been giving off is more has to do with the magic side of things rather than the blood bond of things. Okay, yeah. So let me let me lay an alternate theory here, which is the, uh, as, as Alex said, um, it, it, there's a quote early in the episode. Marco says, it's like our souls are bonded, hashtag Star- Starco. Um, and uh, I think he says hashtag Starco. And... Uh, he does not say that at oh, all. Oh, he doesn't? Okay. He, he did say yeah. hashtag blood moon ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Blood moon ball. So uh, <laughs> this is this has been a thing that it happened season one. It's been not really been brought up since. Star and Marco are potentially bonded by the blood moon. And it's a uh-huh. symbol of their bond. And is this a all, a further symbol of their soul bonding? The fact that uh, Marco's cheeks are, are, glow, are glowing here. It's, rep- it's, it's, in the top- it's just representative of the Starco bond, basically. It's in the top three of possibilities. <laughs> I think <laughs> the top three possibilities. One of them sketchy. So I think this I is uh, yeah. To me, this is more likely than the uh, Marco secret butterfly theory. Well, yeah. Like, what are the weird chances of that? I mean, it is. I do think it's like the natural conclusion to come to. I don't blame people for thinking it. It's just see. I just don't think it's true. Also, I think number one biggest possibility is that it is just a cool visual. <laughs> To represent Marco using the wand. That's also possible. I think it is the hashtag aesthetic. That's that's what I think is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think just its proximity to these heinous episodes makes me think that they, they put this in for some reason. 
that we'll get to like at the end of the season maybe i don't know um it could be yeah i guess so i guess there's some sort of magic osmosis or something indicating magic um if the, if there's a specific reason i do think it's just the uh, the bond with star because that line seems very out of place it's like our souls are bonded i don't know why he said that um you know it's it didn't I, it, I didn't really get how it related to what was happening i think it was supposed to but yeah i i do think that this is something uh-huh. resp- and like it, marco moon cheeks star uh i guess she's heart cheeks not not star yes, cheeks, heart cheeks. But yeah. her name's yeah. star star and moon okay um oh this sounds like a bad fic bad fic mm. okay it's a good yeah, fic michelle come on <laughs> no, but yeah no. no i think I, that's my number one but i i really i don't think we should be reading too much in this i just think it was an awesome visual i really love that moment Maybe his cheeks are moons because he is her squire, and a squire <laughs> is, yes, yes, is the preamble to a knight. And uh, the knights and the moon. Uh, so, it's a, so it's a pun. I want to buy that theory. I want to buy ten stocks. You want? Of that you want to, You'd rather Sam. have the pun theory then. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would, honestly. I'd sleep at night with that theory, at least. Yeah, sleep at night, can yeah, I-G-H-T. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay, there's there's our discussion on that. This is, the this is, I think, the primary thing that's being discussed by a lot of people, and I don't think it's anything. But uh, it was a great moment, great Starko moment. And the other big Starko uh, part of this episode, oh, well, there's two two other big Starko things. One, of course, is, uh, uh, okay, three, th- three big Starko things. <laughs> Look, this is why I love. Can I say my biggest one? Okay, yeah. What's maybe it's one of my three. Well, yeah, it's when the Marco has the all-seeing eye up, and uh, he's she's trying to get uh, Star to come back, and like Star being like, "Wait, Marco? Oh, Marco! Uh, That's what breaks her hip." Yes, 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 Marco. Yes, yes. Okay, that is one of the three. It is Marco in danger is what wakes Star up from the magic from the realm of magic spell. Yes. Obviously, Marco is the one she cares about most. It wakes wakes her up from the spell. Marco in danger. Um, okay. I feel like I'm 12 again and reading <laughs> stripping That's proofs. Serious, I know. Isn't it a great feeling, Sam? No, it's a terrible <laughs> feeling. Because <laughs> I already lived through that. Okay. Um, I feel like that's bad logic. You could live through something good and live through it again, you know? I, I wouldn't call that good. This isn't exactly my most shining moment in life. Okay. Um, the two other big moments. The, the obvious one is the hug. Um, she she comes back in butterfly form. Um, six arm hugs Marco, and Marco blushes very deeply. It was it's incredible. Oh, it's an incredible moment. Don't hooray! I was living for that. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I we already know that Marco has feelings for her. So where's the excitement? <laughs> each other jesus like what even happened they should be dating already i don't even yeah. ship it but what oh, michelle's pro starco right now oh my god bro i'm just saying like they've been oh, I wish weren't I you weren't swear. you feeling that moment sam mm. i mean i guess it's great she, she's in this uh this magical gorgeous butterfly form and uh marco is uh yeah he's he he's loving it wow he loved that that's you what attracts giant magical women? <laughs> how, how do you think he feels about being hugged by Sit's arms? That, that must be interesting. Very right? like warm, right? And yeah, yeah. Sit a firm hug. It, yeah, a I don't very know. Firm have you ever had like a yes. group hug? I would imagine to be similar, just really awkward. And you're not really hugging everybody; you're just hugging like. Yeah, but see, it's like the warmth of a group hug, but without having to wrap your arms around so many people. Right, you know? So yeah, we're convincing you on the appeal of this, Alex. Is what you're saying. <laughs> okay yeah it, 
Or you know how I like my angst, and this obviously. Okay, see, so we need to get back to the drama, <laughs> this hashtag Starco drama. But yeah, it was a great moment. And the other, the number three big Starco element of the show is uh, Lifeline. You're my lifeline, and uh, says says Star, and then Marco um, when she he's watching over. I'm I'm here for you. Your lifeline. So uh, yeah, Marco very concerned about Star, and they call each other um, the Marco. They call each other Marco being Star's lifeline, and um, oh my god, when will they just date already? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, around with your your silly young wives yeah when over over guys, under tom is so fun to hang okay, around okay. <laughs> <laughs> tom is fun i still think they can exist as friends and like you know tom hasn't been hostile to marco at all since you know halfway through season two if my memory is correct yeah, so, there was some tension in that last episode with monster bash there, there's a tom little wasn't great. Okay. okay um last thing about the episode yeah. jenna is back. Yeah. yeah. Love her. Jana shutting down Marco was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah ch- chicken butt hypnotizing Marco. Yeah. It's it's a great gag. I, I think so. Uh, yeah. So, while, while we're tying into the shipping, been a while since we hung out one-on-one. Chicken butt. Yeah. <laughs> it just immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Was not, not... Further proof. Yeah. Further proof for Jana's it. Jana's okay. gay. Well, yeah. Well, what did you think of seeing Jana here, Sam? I love her and she's the best. I'm glad that they roped her in for this paranormal adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just... She's probably the best person to go to, actually, considering. She's an expert. Yeah, with her just like weird. Yeah. Not really para- uh, paranormal ephemera. Yeah. Yeah. Other great, great Jana moments in this episode. Obviously, the chicken, but one of my favorites is um, when uh, Jana is about to hypnotize Star. She says, uh, Now focus on my watch, Marco. Hey, that's my watch, Jana. Dude, this is about Star. Get over yourself. Yeah, that was pretty good. The, t- the timing on that sequence was, in- was incredible. Um, yeah, the the Jana hangout one on one line that was great. Um, the uh, she calls uh, she like says to Glossrick, "You're a disgrace to magic." I agree. I agree, Jana. Um, another great. There's a ton of good Jana moments. Another one. She the the warm the wand forms as Marco, and she puts uh, the mole on it. Uh, and there, yeah. and there. Now it has your mole. <laughs> Yeah, that, I loved that. And then at the end, uh, after the hug, uh, she says, Ew, gross, get a portal. That was really good. Yeah, too. right. Jenna get a portal. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's like five really great lines from Jenna. She was, th- that's why this, this episode to me is so incredible. Starco, Jan- oh, Starco, Jenna, awesome visuals, <laughs> awesome star character moments in the thing. Like it has it all. Butter, cool butterfly form star. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I was really loving all of it. And just from the opening, it, like it begins with Janet just blowing into Marco's ear. How did he not know like, it was her? Uh, that's my question. I'm sorry, know, this man. is boring. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> like just, just like starting off the episode strong. This, this episode really makes the case for more Janet because she is hilarious throughout the entire thing. Like, why? Is... Where's her spinoff? Yeah, where's the yeah, where's the Janet spinoff? Yeah, more Jan episodes in in the next half of the season, please. That that's that's my yes, request. Please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Okay. There. There you go. That's a deep dive, and uh, you know, hour hour uh, fifteen into it, let's talk about nightlife. So, um, Hecapu, the sequel to Running with Scissors, uh. and uh, my favorite episode of Star, and uh, Hecapu is here, and uh, she was glorious, right, Michelle? She was really glorious. I loved her in this episode. Yeah. Um. It's uh. I. I Hecapu, top five favorite character for me. Loved her here, Alex. What do you think of Hecapu here? 
Yeah, she she was she was fun to hang around. Uh, I I like that she was very very strict with Marco in the end, and mm-hmm. while 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 she's like, oh, you know, I can't resist your adult voice, but he's, she's still like, no, you're you're not useful to me for work purposes. Yeah, so, her so job get, comes first. That's out. good. Yeah, so I I enjoyed her person her personality here. Her interactions with uh, with Marco were were very interesting, and her getting angry at Marco at the end had some had some emotional weight to it. So all in all, a strong episode for Hekapu in the brief amount of Hekapu episodes we have. <laughs> the number one highlight, as you mentioned, of the episode is uh, Marco in, oh, in his say. adult voice as uh, pretty oh, please, yeah. H-poo. <laughs> and, uh, oh my god. And uh, Hekapu says, oh, you know I can't resist your adult voice. Yeah, that's the that's the number one moment of the episode. It was incredible. The, uh, this is the only, Marco and Hekapu is the only... Uh, <laughs> The only hall pass for Starco that I'll allow. This is this is it. The uh, wow. The, uh, the only hall pass. Hall pass. Is that the right word? Well, you know, use? I think so. I think it's I think it's potentially accurate because I, as as we're talking about running with scissors a lot, there's a lot of sexual tension between adult Marco and Hekapu, right? And I think it's very clear. And I think a, a little bit of that is back here in, in this episode. No, I'm I'm no, I'm not talking about this. <laughs> See, that's what bye. these episodes are about oh my goodness um but yeah well, I don't get he's 14 no but then he's he's like 30 so i don't care no, he's uh, to have that kind of good body he's probably like 23 I, yeah i do want to say this episode like with running with scissors we had that whole implication of oh well did he actually age and all that time but here it's made very clear oh okay he's just a 14 year old in a 30 year old's body Not, nothing yeah, has so, changed about his personality no. so i wonder if in that sense it lessens the rest of running with scissors no, a little no, no, like no, no, the fact that no, we no. don't really well, carry yes. that concept over i do i do go I, on look, no stop don't drag running with scissors i do think that this episode <laughs> kind of takes away the point it like tries to be the sequel to running with scissors and it just it loses the whole point of the episode um so like in that regard this is the big reason why i think this isn't a standout episode because um it doesn't have the the heavy emotional weight of the time skip it doesn't have the weight of star of marco being 30 right he's just changes form depending on what dimension he's in now he's uh now he's 14 then he's in his other form um so it just it just really loses the emotional weight of that episode none of that's here Oh. Mm-hmm. Although I do want, I do want to say like it does have emotional tension. Like it, it's really strong, especially in that final scene where they're where Heck was like, "Wait, you lot, you knew about this? You didn't tell me yeah. we've been working together." Like all that really worked for me. Like I, I felt the tension a lot. It, it doesn't. Uh, while it, it would be, it would have been nice to bring the whole running with scissors concept on its own. This is a strong episode. I, I agree. I, yeah, even uh, speaking of, I agree with that. And I think the reason, the big thing it carries over from running with scissors, and the reason it does succeed, I do think it's one of the top four episodes of the event. Is uh, is be, is the Marco Hekapu dynamic? Like I said, like I think that's the big thing that carries over. Like I, like I, I, uh, you know, have an emotional stake into their interactions. And, um, you know, we learn that Mar- Marco's been uh, helping her close Star's portals. We see various adventures that they've been going on and just the uh, the drama of Marco needing to go back to Star versus uh, spending more time with Hakapu. I think that really will lands. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I think the two of them are I think like the thing I always want from the the Marco and Hekapu is um, like uh, not necessarily like Hekapu jealousy, but just like the interplay between Starco and uh, Marco's, you know, Marco being with uh, Hekapu. So kind of kind of this, uh, you know, this this romantic uh, contrast. And um, I think we get a well, we got we get that a little exactly, bit because yeah. every time he has to go be with Star, like it's subtle, and she, but she is kind of like bummed about it because she does 
spending time with him. And there probably is a little something there as much as it makes me sick to say that. Like, mm-hmm. I can't excuse that that line, which is like, I can't resist your dull voice. Like, ah, that's canon now. I can't. Oh, it's I been canon. Mark a Pretend. Yeah. That, that's what that. But yeah. Yeah, that's what. Uh, I also, think it the, is there. The, also, the, there's a line at the end that really stood out to me where Hecapoo like rides off into the sunset oh, yeah. by saying, the star, star, to, yeah, star's lucky yeah. to have a squire like you. Yeah, you and, can, like, you it, can it could tell. be read as, sar- as sarcastic because like uh, obviously Marco has been failing Hecapoo a lot. But at the same time, throughout the episode, you've gotten that uh, Marco has the connection to Star that he always needs to go check on her. So like, it, it's, it was an interesting line reading because it could be interpreted different ways just based on how the episode played out. Uh, I, I really like that as like an ending to the episode. Yeah, that was the line, that was yeah. the line I was going to highlight. I do think it's there. I do think this uh, Starco versus um, Markapu uh, drama is is present in the episode. Oh. Uh, well, it, it's it's not like versus because it's never a contest. Marco being so like he's never he's sorry to star that he was like, you know, hanging out with Hecapoo, but he's he never feels bad about going back to help star when he's with Hecapoo. And I think that's like what she picks up on. And that's why she knows like she's always going to be his number one priority and she needs to find help elsewhere. Yeah, it- because he can't be reliable because Star's always going to come first for it's him. No, it's no contest to Mar- because uh, Marco is um, committed to Star and the Starco is the OTP. So that's why it's no contest. Yep. And uh, <sighs> no, that's. I like adventures, but I like keeping you safe more. Exactly. Yeah, that's, the, that, that's like, I want. This is, episode is almost exactly what I wanted. Like, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, that line, Star's lucky to have a squire like you. Like, um, you know, just. Uh, Hakapu knowing that Marco's never going to be, she's never going to be Marco's number one. And whether that's just as an assistant, like she's kind of an, Marco's kind of an assistant to both of them or as a uh, romantic interest. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it applies on both angles. And I think that that really lands. Yeah. Is it weird if I'm seeing a parallel between this relationship and his relationship with Jackie? Because it's it's almost the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like he 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 insists, like, oh, I don't want this to end. I like hanging out with you, but when push comes to shove, Star is always he he always goes off to go check on Star yeah. to the point where both Jackie and Hecapoo realize, well, you're you're fine and all, but you got you got to go somewhere else, so we got to break it off. So like it's the same exact situation in both yeah, episodes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, point. it's Star. Star is Marco's number one, and uh, that's the big hang-up for for both of them, for Jackie and Takapu. I agree. It's it's the it's the same concept. I think it works really well both times. And um, yeah, I just I, I think there's a lot of weight to all of Marco and Takapu's interactions this episode. Um, yeah, really really big highlight for me. Um, and potentially it's over at the end. Um, yeah, Marco Takapu's uh, uh, like we're done. Uh, and uh, we're working together is over, so I don't know. No, no, uh, no trilogy for the the running with scissors episodes. What? Well, mm. you might get the one final ride. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, something like that. The one final yeah. ride on the dragon motorcycle. Yeah, it's like I, I need someone I can truly trust, and the only person I can is you. Bunker. Yes, I, I need oh, you for this one God. final. I'd job. watch it. Yes, uh, let's do it. Oh, Coming this summer, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, Dylan and Alex are gonna go storyboard. Yeah, that. We'll, we'll write this episode. Okay. Well, if I'm storyboarding, I'm inserting Kelly in there somehow. Yay! Okay, fine. Let's make it a weird, cracky yeah, episode. Kelly's, Kelly's not like, Come on, love is, triangle. No, no. The, we already have a love triangle. We're talking about. <laughs> love. We have like a love billion pen- love triangles. Yeah, okay. Let's yeah, just we can, we yeah, make, make it, it a pentagon. pentagon. Yeah, make it go for all the drama. Sand, don't you want like maximum drama possibilities? I mean, pentagon yeah, would do that. Like, 
Marco is leaving a lot of girls in his wake, <laughs> and it's just like it's true. It's unfortunate yeah. that that keeps happening. He, it, it wouldn't happen if he and Star would just. I know they stop yeah. messing just around. Already, obviously, that's the solution to all uh, the problems. Really, Marco's no. lucky that he hasn't met with a, a vengeful person because, like, Jackie's yeah, not going to take revenge. Ekaboo doesn't really right. care. Very, like, yeah, I, I'm really yeah, surprised. Serious. How... These girls are very mature. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, I'm really surprised how, like, you know, mature and not catty or, like, anything. Yeah, don't. St- Marco <laughs> needs to not date Jana because she would not be the same. With <laughs> well, Jana's gay. Okay, so. not a problem. She's pretty nice, Marco. Yeah. Jana, Jana would be uh, pranking Marco for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's the main thing for me is just uh, them two. It's 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 really incredible. Yeah, Alex. As Alex, point, I like that Alex was the first one to point out the two incredible Starco lines from this episode. So congrats, Starco shipper Alex, who uh, the star is lucky to have a squire like you. And then uh, at the end, Marco to star. I like keeping you safe more. Like, oh my gosh, All right? Like such Starco. Well, that I mean, that was also good because he was like pointing out, like, look, I'm willing to make a compromise if you can also make a compromise about these crazy midnight shenanigans and portal opening jaunts that you go on. Like, I like that he framed it as like, we both should, like, it would be good if people were able to make a compromise to make the situation better for each of us. That was yeah, good. I that think was that was good. good yeah. Other other great Starco line is uh, Marco says, uh, "I'm at your service, milady," and uh, Star says, uh, "Don't ever call me that." That yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Such, yeah. Milady, ultimate creep. Such such thing. It's such a contrast. None of you yeah. watch this though, but it's such a contrast to Miraculous Ladybug, where the the, the male lead constantly calls the female lead milady, and uh, oh my god, oh, there's no there's no shutdown. It's, it's it's like it's a translation thing too, so it's kind of hard. But yeah, um, milady. Yeah, so uh, Star is just oh. shutting that down. Good good job on that. But look, do you want him to be a squire or do you not? Make up your mind. I guess Milady is squire kind of a squire benefit. thing. Yeah, That's yeah. what she wants. Squire with benefit. Okay, again, now Michelle's shipping the Starco. Wow. No, I'm, I'm glad we just convinced just everyone. That might be what she wants. No. No. Me shipping is different than like logic and what the show wants. Yeah, well, let's be fair. Like th- this episode in particular is laying it on pretty thick. Well, yeah, Nightlife yeah, and Deep Dive are both very heavy Starco. Yes. Yeah, it's impossible to ignore even for exactly. people who aren't actively shipping. Yeah, so what, what you guys are saying Thank is you. that you're now shipping Starco. Gotcha. Um, the um, other, the other Marco Poo forever. Okay, look, I'm also I'm also fine with the Marco. <laughs> um, this uh, the, the other good lines from this episode. The be- right right away we start off with uh, Adult Marco. Uh, Hold on to my abs; they'll keep you safe. Uh, classic. God. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer just drive muscles. Yeah, yes, yeah she yeah. Hekapu uh, calls her Hekapu calls him muscles all the whole time. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, we have this weird thing with the cat face hum, human face cats dimension and bunny pirates. I, I did not need that callback. Was this a, what was this a callback to? <laughs> God, this was a yeah, callback. Call yeah, in one of the season one episodes where they're traveling through different dimensions to look for something, they go through this dimension of the people that look like ca- okay. cats. So not the bunny pirates, but the cat thing. I think the well, bunny the- pirates might be a callback too, actually, right? Well, the bunny pirates were in the original intro, and they were also, I think, in the episode of the, when uh, they were looking for Johnny Blowhole in that Bounce Lounge <laughs> episode. Oh, maybe. Where's Johnny yeah. Blowhole? I do okay. feel like yeah. that. 
Johnny's not important right now. Sam, why is why is Johnny Blowhole? Hey guys, remember that old intro? That was so Sam, funny. what are your thoughts on Johnny Blowhole? His name is just really funny. I know it's like I know. a dolphin or whatever, yeah. but it's funny. Yeah, the, the best part of the bunny pirates is uh, at the end. It's like who who are they? Angels, me boy. They be but angels. I thought that was great. That was a classic uh, gruffy line read. It was it was wonderful. That's a big that's missed opportunity to say mermaids. I know. Look, we already had our fill of mermaids this, these two weeks, Alex. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Talon, Talon, Raven, Talon. Any thoughts on? Well, well. Yeah, any thoughts on Talon? What the heck? He's a buff eagle <laughs> with like, was that a bear on his head? Wow! And a guitar a- riff every time he appears for like a frame. <laughs> that guy was. Alive. I will say, very similar to a, char- a character in the new Cartoon Network show, Unikitty. <laughs> So I was, I was, oh, I was side-eyeing it. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have many takeaways from Tal and Raven Tal. And at the end he was like, uh, uh, you want to hang out, uh, Marco? Want to hang yeah. out? And Marco just like yeah. casually steps into the portal and As leaves. the guitar riff plays again. <laughs> oh man, you're really into this guitar riffs, huh? Yeah, it, it solidifies it as a, as a great character. <laughs> okay. Yeah, tap tap. Uh, no, actually, actually, the guitar player is the is the real MVP here. <laughs> yeah, Talon Raven Talon himself is like, eh. Yeah, um, yeah. Ta- Talon was good. Oh, I, I forgot this this Markapu line. Uh, Closing these portals with you has been the highlight of my time on Muni, says Marco. So there you go. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty big statement. Yeah. Buddy. But Marco does this to every girl. <laughs> like, this is the best bad. time I've ever had on this place. Oh, this is the best thing we've ever done together. Like, come you. on. You're so fun. Yeah, what a heartbreaker. Uh, wow. Yeah. No wonder I just like him. This is just sad. What a heartbreaker. The, uh, Dragon Cycles and Nachos are back. We're missing them, right? Nachos. I'd rather have more nachos than more karate, so yeah. So I'd like fine. to eat okay, nachos. Stop, stop, stop. Uh, I, I enjoy the food. Stop, nachos, stop, stop, but, stop, stop. Um, okay, there you go. There's uh, <laughs> anything else, Alex, from this episode? Uh, we we explicitly say tavern, which I, I yeah. enjoy. So, like you know, they're actually drinking, even if I think he's doing a milkshake or whatever. But I, I don't know. I just like using tavern in kids' cartoons. It's yeah, nice. That's good, Michelle. Um, this was my favorite of the episodes. It just had a lot of really good beats. And like I agree with Alex that the the stuff with Hekapu and like the her finding out that Marco Ben Lang did hit well better than other things later on in this bomb did, because I feel like there was enough subtle build up to their interactions to warrant it making sense and having us have an emotional response, which I didn't to some other reveals. So I overall I thought this was like one of the strongest for the past two weeks, honestly. I really liked yeah, it. I think, I think this episode's better than Monster Bash. I definitely have deep dive above them, but this is a really great one. Um, yeah, Sam, final thoughts on this episode and all three episodes? You know, again, I don't, I'm not really a Huckapoo fan, so uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get like, I, I found Monster Bash to be the most fulfilling for me personally, but yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, into the twist. I think it was. I think it was a very exciting twist. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So monster bash uh, for we have all three episodes represented. That's good. Um, yeah, Alex. Final thoughts on the whole bomb, or not the whole bomb? The whole three episodes. Oh, okay, we're not no. talking the whole event no. today. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, well, they were all fine. I I think the nightlife ends up winning as the best episode. Uh, like like I've said multiple times, like Monster Bash, the first half is really good, and on its own, it it would be a really great episode. The second half is just like all over the place. But I I, I guess I'm interested in the plot lines that we're leaving behind, and um, I really enjoyed Hecapu. I enjoyed Janna. I enjoyed the the three seconds of Kelly. Uh, uh, <laughs> And uh, I, actually, I think I enjoyed Star, which is, uh, I know it's not really a, a big, a, a hot take, but like in the previous weeks, like it's, it's been like some episodes I like Star, some episodes I'm like, what are you doing? But like here consistently, it's like, okay, I, I, I like you. Like this is, this is how I remember Star being, uh, very charming. And like, I don't know, it stood out to me just like I didn't have a problem with the main characters, which I, I have been having, in, especially in the first week of the of this event. Yeah, I do. As I've talked, I've talked about this before. I think we've had a problem getting inside Star's head these two weeks. We haven't been interested in presenting Star's thought processes, thought processes and uh, that's been a problem. I think these three episodes are better at it. It's still a problem. But um, yeah, Star, Star is better. Um, yeah, Michelle, final thoughts. Um, I... <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought I already gave my final thought on this episode, but all three episodes. Oh, on a, on on all three. Um, I I thought they were all really good. Um, some of my favorite moments happened uh, in this last slew of them, and I still feel like reasonably pretty hyped for the rest of the season. I feel like there's still a lot of stuff we have on the table that we could get into more, and I'm really excited. Like, Glosseric! What are we going to do with Glosseric? we got to do stuff with Eclipsa. There's so many things left to to talk about. So I'm excited. I feel I don't feel as underwhelmed as I was afraid I would by this point in the season. So I'm still, like, pretty hype. I'm I'm okay, excited. Hype is still there. That's good. Yeah, I, th- I think I think yeah. These these two episodes returned were good enough that we got the got back to the hype levels for the second half season. Let me give a quick top five episodes of the bomb. Uh, number one, deep dive. <laughs> number two, um, oh, I think it's close between nightlife and lava lake beach. I'll give it to lava lake beach for now. Number three, nightlife. Uh, number four, monster bash, and five, I guess, scent of a hoodie. But none of the rest of them stand out. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a top five. Uh, number one, Lava Lake Beach. Number two, Sophomore Slump. Uh, number three, Scent of a Hoodie. Number four, Nightlife. And number five, Starfar. Yeah, I, I still have a soft spot for that episode. Sophomore Slump too high. I do think that's one of the top half. But anyway, um, I th- yeah, I don't know. I I think in general, agree or disagree, the the February mu- featured a much stronger slate of of episodes. Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably, I'm like trying to think if that had a lower low. Right, it did. It did. It did have a lower I, low. Yeah, yeah, because it had like um, the trick star. Karate, it yeah, had yeah. Uh, math magic, no, which no, I no, don't wrong, remember that fondly. But uh, oh, all belts, all belts. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, here, I, I guess there's lows too. But like, I don't know. I, I think in terms of plot relevance, the February wins. But in terms of just like general enjoyment, I think they're about the same. Should, should be noted that this is mm. the first half of a season that was the second half, so we might return to the uh, the high, you know, b- bigger, bigger things happening in, in the second half of season three. That's true. This could have been the cool down half. Yeah, I, yeah, relatively. Yeah, to speaking. a certain extent, we're doing what Steven Universe does, which is for the first half of a season, we have a little bit of a cool down, which I'm very frustrated with. The world shows, but yeah, I oh, personally cool really necessary. don't think that at least these sections of episodes 
they don't really lend themselves to the quote unquote bomb format. I don't know. I d- just- yeah, I, I actually a lot of people are saying we had a lot of uh, quote unquote duds, so it's better to get them all the way. I I agree with Sam. I think this was this uh, event was really hurt by airing back to back because we moved through such large periods of time very fast. I think the yeah. the uh, the yeah. time jumps would have seemed more substantial if they were a week after each other as opposed to a day. So we just we didn't really have enough time to sit on the new state of affairs and. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that that hurt the especially the first week of episodes. Um, okay, so well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think like what what's the big changes that we've had after these uh, two weeks of episodes? Um, e- Eclipsa's going on trial. Yeah, that's still uh, Star has a new power. Star, okay, mm-hmm. Star yeah, can change. It- uh, Miss Anus is is uh, Meteora. Meteora. Uh-huh. Mina, Mina uh-huh. Ludberry's Mar- back in play. Too- Marco's back in Muni. Marco moved Cla- to Muni. Classic so that's a dog. Um, you know, there's it. Yeah, a lot of things have happened, actually, and and Marco's finally confronted, had to confront the fact that he does have like a mega Marco's huge feelings for Star. That's the most Star. important thing. Yeah, he like no, that's right. not the most that's important thing, but saying, it is right? one of the things yeah. that happened. No, 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 don't you do that. I will find you, and you will be I'm in right trouble. Okay. It is, it is the thing that yeah, happened, that was, though. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that a lot of stuff happened. Uh, I guess and Tad my, broke my up. issue is that a lot. Yeah, yeah that that's okay. huge, huge for sure. But I. But I think an issue here is like a lot of these episodes when I was watching them, they just felt like set up for yes. the next episode. And I feel like when when an episode feels like that, you can't like at least for me, it's a bit harder to enjoy it in the moment because you're like, OK, well, this didn't really end in anything. I have to wait for five episodes later for this to mean anything. And it's just a, a lot of it felt like that. And some were like repeating themes. Like I still point back to Club Snubbed and Demoncism as like those two episodes being almost exactly the same themes. So just like while we while you were saying that we were moving fast, but I almost think it's like a space. There was space there that could have been used to develop. We just kind of got distracted to focus on the things that uh, were, were already covered sufficiently by other episodes. So like while while saying it's moving fast is is an okay way to describe it. But I think there's also that issue where some of these episodes just felt like space. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time on Tom and Star, which doesn't ultimately matter. We didn't spend any time setting up uh, Star's print. Like I've mentioned a million times now, why Star wants to be a better princess, her thought process throughout any of that, and um, the you know the the stuff with Eclipsa and Star's feelings on that. You know, there's just there's a lot of stuff that uh, is, is just like going by very fast, and instead we're spending time with uh, you know Tom and Star and doing other doing stuff in the Pigeon Kingdom, and you know who cares about any of that? So yeah. It's more of a space allocation thing, but we we do also. Um, I, I, it's unclear how much time has passed, but probably a lot um, in, in the show. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, December second, currently slated for the next episodes of Star Stump Day and Holiday Spell Show. Woo! Exciting. Holiday Spell Show. Yeah. I don't. Is this a spoiler to say the description for it? I don't know. No, go for it, has, it. it has Eclipse go in it. it. That's what I'll say. Um, it's not clear if it's a misleader or not. I think if Holiday Spellshell doesn't seem like a plot relevant episode, but ooh, since so she's the aunt, maybe we finally get like the tense family dinner. You know, like oh. they're, they're all around the the tree or whatever. They the the stump, and they'll they'll exchange <laughs> presents, and the moon and Eclipse will have to sit across the table from each other and stare. And, like Moon will stare at her very angrily, and Eclipse That'd will be like, oh, ha, 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 and uh, it'll all come to a it. head. I love it. Okay, yeah, I hope so, Alex. Yeah. I'm glad, glad we got this. <laughs> I'm ready to be yeah, disappointed. We'll, we'll speculation for the holiday spell show coming up, but that's spell it. Show. That's our coverage of Starvember. 
uh, concluding with the hour 45 podcast. Good job. <laughs> um, oh my yeah, if you enjoyed, like, yeah, I didn't try to do dark design. We spent like an hour on the first one. Um, if we, <laughs> we had a lot of, we had a lot to talk about. Tom yeah, there's there. a lot of Tom talk mm-hmm. as, as, as there should be. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you guys enjoyed our coverage, if you hadn't listened to some of the previous ones, you can go back. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to all of our star coverage. Please comment. Uh, let us know what you thought of these episodes, thought of our coverage. And if you enjoyed all of our Starvember discussions, definitely consider leaving us an iTunes review saying how much you liked it. Overlyanimated.com slash iTunes. We'd really appreciate iTunes reviews there. Maybe on our star feed as well. Overly animated star. Subscribe to our star feed to not miss any future star podcasts. We have show of a bunch of podcasts on other shows coming up as well. All of that at overlyanimated.com. And if you want to keep the star discussion going, join our Discord overlyanimated.com slash discord our star spoilers channel which i guess it's not spoilers anymore but has been very active so um a lot, a lot of uh marco as uh, is a is a royal discussion today oh, <laughs> and no. uh you were in charge of that I, look show. i don't support this theory no i think and, and, and andy blame andy <laughs> it's blame the andy. lion diamond thing all over no, no, again no. there's one michelle I, no i disavow this theory Ew. i only i only support a- factually accurate theories like line equals pink <laughs> oh, 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 oh <laughs> yeah. that's the wackiest Dylan thing just likes today. to do things that push people's <laughs> what come on yes no. I'm learning this <laughs> thank you, you Sam about? now I know what everything Yo, what if Glossark is going to be king? Yeah, we, I, yeah, we need a good Glossark theory. I think that would tie everything together. I'll work on that. Okay, so you can consider supporting us on Patreon. That's de- that's the number one way to support us if you enjoyed our Star Member coverage at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thank you very much to all of our our current patrons. Uh, really appreciate your support, especially our patron of the podcast, Katrin, a.k.a. Patron Katrin, Starfan Katrin. And thanks as always to all our patron executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Um, yep just a bunch more podcasting stuff coming up and um yeah find find all of it at uh at, over, at overlyanimated.com i'm gonna take a this this was my i think like 12th or 13th day in a row podcasting so i'm gonna take a few, few day break but we'll be right back at yeah, it take, soon. A, take a nap yeah so uh th- thanks thanks for joining us for the star coverage guys and we will see you next time bye bye adios bye love you kelly